if we don't do it, Sky will. The Football Podcast. Three friends picking the bones out of the weekend's football. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of If We Don't Do It, Sky Will, the football podcast. Yes, that's right. After six long weeks off, we are back. We were off for a winter break and then I was away in Germany for a couple of weeks doing research for my forthcoming book, Over the Line, on the rivalry between England and Germany in football. My name's Alex Gross, a Tottenham fan who's luckily missed a few games recently as it's been a real roller coaster and we've been dumped out of the cup and all sorts joining me as usual back in the starting lineup is manchester united fan and tv marketing guru nick gilmer hello nick uh, hello good to be back i think i'm looking forward to really getting stuck into that team of assholes i support <laughs> <laughs> so much to discuss isn't there and you're of course top of the bill after another exciting manchester derby yesterday not sure <sighs> exciting is the word you would use uh, there's a few words I've used, but I don't think uh, they would be Ofcom compliant. <laughs> I'm sure assholes isn't either. <laughs> no, and that's that. the voice of George Harker, our uh, long, long suffering and uh, downright despondent Leeds fan, George Harker. Uh, six weeks uh, is it would be an understatement to say a long time in football and indeed outside football. We didn't know we would be at war last time we were on air. Um, all sorts of things have happened. George, you've lost your beloved manager of the last three seasons, Marcelo Bielsa, and um, shipped goals here, there and everywhere. We'll be gentle with you today, but uh, first of all, welcome back. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Right. At least you're, you're still sound chipper. Of course. <laughs> I'm used to it. Don't worry. So like I said, uh, so much has happened in the last six weeks since that Premier League winter break. Um, Chelsea have become champions of the world with a uh, a rather annoying little 1-0 extra time victory over Palmeiras in the Club World Cup final. But now they're um, now they're up for sale with uh, Abramovich embroiled in all this uh, Russia-Ukraine business. There are Ukraine flags being waved at every Premier League ground. Chelsea fans are singing his name. Tuchel's telling them off for it. It's barely believable, isn't it? One thing that hasn't changed in all these uh, weeks and months is um, that Manchester United are still a comedy roadshow, really. And uh, this was the first. <laughs> this was the first proper team they've played under Rangnick. That's to quote Gary Neville, and he said they've been given a right doing. Oh, it was dreadful. And actually, I don't think. Um, I mean, Rangnick is going to become a figure of fun over the next few weeks. There is no doubt. He's unqualified for the big job but actually I think I don't know if you saw any of um, Monday Night Football tonight Carragher did a really good analysis of the setup of United going forward and it was working there's no doubt but um, I think Rashford took a lot of criticism for not trying when he came on and that's pretty obvious and the downing of tools which obviously all the studio panelists picked up on yesterday was unforgivable from professional athletes and in the sort of money they are they didn't break a sweat and I mean, City, you have to sit back and watch what is ending. It's, it's becoming a generational team. I think the uh, as painful as it is to admit, they are unplayable when they play like that. And if they get a couple of goals ahead, like it was mentioned in commentary yesterday, you're chasing shadows. Like you don't see teams come back from 2-0 down against City. As a Spurs fan, I'd just have to chime in there and say that they're not quite unplayable. No, I don't get that either. I can't work <laughs> it out. I cannot explain it. Spurs turning up for two games a season <laughs> against City does not make sense. And 
yeah, you can employ all the expert analysis and analysts in the world and no one will be able to explain But that. you're glad we're there to pull their pants down, aren't you, Nick? Oh, it's, uh, it's becoming the highlight of the season <laughs> of what is a very miserable and long season full of very spectacularly bad highlights. Yeah, same goes here. Uh, well, that was uh, something I couldn't resist saying. But um, yes, yesterday, Downing of Tools, you, you just say at the beginning of that bit uh, that you thought the attacking setup worked. Uh, so you were in agreement with this choice, uh, or choice, or was it forced upon him? I don't know. To leave out um, Ronaldo and to go with, was it Pogba and Fernandez up front? Yeah, essentially. We had. Um sort of two number 10s playing up front. And I, I don't know if I agree with the team selection, but the idea, you know, fast passing into the channels, fast pacey players on the wings, I think um, going at City was working. And I think that was probably slightly inspired by Spurs and uh, and their result with Conte a couple of weeks back. But uh, the problem is if you drop your game by 10% or you stop chasing for 10 minutes, City will score. And yeah. uh, this United team is not mentally equipped to put in a shift. I suppose all joking aside about that uh, Spurs win at City, um, what that did show was a certain amount of character and fight from Spurs to not give up every time City hit back, to keep trying, even though there was so little possession for Spurs. And the the feeling from Messrs um, Keane and Neville, etc., was that that kind of fight and commitment wasn't there from United. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, you don't remember any United player getting booked in the second half. And I'm not one of those who says, oh, you should get flying in two-footed because it doesn't really help if you've got 10 men on the pitch. And actually, Pogba did that earlier in the season and got crucified for it when we were yeah. losing. Yeah. Um, so I'm not really advocating kicking them around the pitch, but uh, you've got to break a sweat. You've got to chase the ball down. Right? It's, uh, it's unforgivable to just be trotting around watching City and chasing their shadows. I think the Spurs-United game at the weekend... No, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's seminal for both clubs, given yep. where Conte was a couple of weeks ago. It was ago. last time around, wasn't it? It was yeah. El Sakiko. Exactly, and it's amazing how quickly that's come around again. I don't think any danger that either the manager will be sacked on the basis of the result, but I think the stench has set in at United, yeah. and a win against Spurs could quickly turn things around um, for United. Spurs are doing very well as we speak, but again, getting turned over by this rotten United could change the mood very quickly again. Conte seems very volatile. Yes, thank you for mentioning that. We're recording during Monday Night Football. Uh, it's still the first half and Tottenham are 3-0 up uh, at home to Everton. So perhaps time to just bring George in for a second. What do you want to say about Frank Lampard at Everton? Well, That's something you can be happy about. <laughs> Not when we're the only team that was given him three points. Well, at least we're doing you a favour here. This is true. Yep, Everton um, dragged them into the mess. They've actually got the most games in hand, but this is obviously one out of the way. Yeah, just keep scoring, please. <laughs> but seriously, uh, none of the three of us think he knows what he's doing, do we? No. Well, I think uh, no. maybe uh, Conte's been in the bushes spying on them. I don't know how much he hates that. <laughs> I have to say, like we were talking before, Paul, I think... Um, if this Everton team gets anywhere near getting involved in a relegation fight, it's one of the biggest mismanagements of all time. Exactly, yes. That yeah. squad and, should be up. The, the and a heavy defeat here really would mean that, wouldn't it? Yeah, they are in serious trouble. Um, but Newcastle have shown just how quickly you can get away from it with a bit of quality in the team. Yeah, that's right. 
form team in the league at the moment. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so staying with you, Nick, and uh, Manchester United, six weeks since we've been on, the whole of February, that period started with your uh, shocking cup exit to Middlesbrough, which... Yeah, who does that? Who does which, that? <laughs> which my club then, uh, <laughs> then did too. And then you've had the then you had those two draws against Burnley and Southampton, uh, pretty frustrating, and uh, people started to grumble. But then you put uh, good performances together uh, at home to Brighton and sorry George, but away away at Leeds. Overall, this period, these six weeks, there was also that uh, game of Atletico, which you managed to draw. What is your assessment overall? Because Rangnick hasn't lost many games, but also no. the consensus seems to be he hasn't brought them forward very much. Yeah, and I I think it's all doom and gloom at the moment. As I said, the, the stench sets in really quickly at United, and I think um, that performance was rotten uh, yesterday. Yeah. But actually, the problem United have is they've got this paper-thin squad with massive amounts of quality, but no depth to it, and they're still trying to find an 11, whereas the rival, Chelsea, Spurs, Liverpool, they're building a squad. They're supplementing their squad in January. United is still get, trying to get an 11 together. United were creating chances for fun against all of those teams. They continue to be a clown academy at the back and Maguire is just <laughs> the most out of form football I've ever seen. Maguire. Yeah, any other yeah. club, he'd have taken a serious amount of time out. But he is a calamity. I, I, I mean, I just worry about him putting him out in front of the nation, in front of 80,000 people week after week when he is just not there. There's a duty of care at some point where you have to take him out. And so you will always score against this United team, but the United should have enough to score up top, but they've become dependent on two 30-something strikers, one of which wants to be in South America by the looks of it. And I think, you know, Greenwood being a monster has really not helped. I think yeah. uh, I should probably be careful what I say here whilst he's not yet tried, but it's left United incredibly short up front. And yeah, well, the point, the point they made on Super Sunday is uh, Rashford... Can't even get a game when four centre forwards uh, are unavailable. I think they mentioned Ronaldo, Cavani, Martial, and uh, Greenwood, right? And yeah. they were all out, and he still didn't start. So that's very bad for him. Well, I just I, Rashford is not a striker, and mm. I, there's this obsession with moving people in off the wing here, and them having a run up front like Martial and, and Rashford. They're better on the wing. Stick them out wide. Robin and Ribery didn't need to play through the middle. That's the yeah. sort of player they are. Oh, wistful memories of those two. Yeah. That was good, especially against United. Yeah. Um, now, our game on Saturday then could be quite good, couldn't it, for the neutral observer? Or big. What, yeah, it's if a there big is such game, a thing, that. because uh, both teams are quite similar, sort of staying back a lot, wanting to hit on the counter, wanting to depend on these forward players. I think and, um, uh, being very suspect at the back. Yeah, I think there'll be goals uh, of that, I'm pretty sure. Not another 6 1. I just wouldn't want to call it. I have no idea. Let's say 5 all. It's 5 all. 6-1 last season? Mm, no, thanks. <laughs> that was an absolute robbery after Martial got sent off for absolutely nothing, if you want to go over the history books. No, I don't, but uh, I, I <laughs> knew you'd say that and I, and I left you the space to do so. <laughs> so, Nick, a lot of discussion on uh, Super Sunday last night uh, about the importance or the, the impact that the fact that uh, everybody in that squad knows that Rangnick is a temporary manager who will then go upstairs and nobody knows for sure, who will take over in the summer. Firstly, do you think that's the sort of root of the malaise within the squad? And secondly, currently, who do you think will be the next permanent manager? Uh, that is a good question. I think, um, I know who I want it to be. Is want... that Poch? No. That's Ten Hag, isn't it? Yeah, I want Ten Hag right. from Ajax. There's a lot of talk think... about that end of last week. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's the most impressive for what he's done 
with a much smaller club, albeit you know similar situation, the biggest club in his country. But what he's done with Europe, the trophies he's won, where he picked Ajax up from, um, yep. and his his ability to improve players would be, I think, really exciting for the first time actually since since Ferguson. I think we've lurched from manager to manager. We've looked for superstars, and then we've gone for populist appointments like Solskjaer. I think that would be a project manager who would come in and you could sort of commit to for five years who's done it. That's what I'd want. I think um, the one thing I think I've said on this pub before that you can rely on the United board to do is get the decision wrong. So um, <laughs> whoever they bring in, they'll tie one hand behind his back yeah. and they will bring in the wrong players in the summer. They will let the who, who knows in. whether Ragnik and Tenkati would agree on everything. Well, exactly. And and what is the role of Rangnick when you've made a big fanfare around Darren Fletcher and John Murta yeah. coming in as their sort of technical football staff? Um, and then you bring this other fella in who's now had his credibility undermined because he's had a poor six months in front of the in charge of the first team. And, and in your question around whether or not this is the way that a club should go, a club like United, I think it's just symptomatic of a club that makes money first and deals with the football second. Mm. Oh, crikey, we need a football manager. Oh, we haven't really thought about that. Let's just see who's available. Let's go off to Moscow and get some guy who has been, you know, well thought of, a bit of a hipster's choice. I just think it's poor planning. A board that doesn't know it's ass from his elbow. And as long as the sponsorship deals keep coming in, they'll be fine. Right, welcome back to part two. And uh, we're going to have to talk Spurs now. Um, I don't even know where to begin. Like we said, six weeks is a long time. And for this Conte team, quite the roller coaster. I've already mentioned we went out in the FA Cup to Middlesbrough, just as uh, Knicks Man United did. Uh, I think the whole fan base is really despondent about that because uh, for better or worse, even though it's 30 years since we won the thing we are, we, we do always hold pretty great delusions that we're going to go on a great run Every year we've had uh, about a dozen unsuccessful semi-finals in that period, so we're uh, we're used to going far without winning it. Yeah, um, do you think Conte's bothered? Um, Teddy Sheringham on uh, Monday Night Football tonight was having a go at him for his body language in that game because he says uh, Conte's always up and down, jumping up and down like a madman on on the touchline, and then that Middlesbrough game he didn't seem asked. So he's a yeah. body language expert now, is he? Oh. Well, yeah, Teddy Sheringham. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's park our discussion of. Uh, Teddy Sheringham's virtues. Um, but yeah, there was obviously a huge win at Leeds, which uh, George more or less uh, is, is adamant I should discount because uh, it was always going to happen. There was that uh, unbelievable win at Man City with a sort of negative XG <laughs> and uh, almost none of the ball. Uh, then there was a, a defeat at Burnley that I didn't see because I was over in Germany. Most upsettingly, probably the two two successive home defeats to Southampton and Wolves. Um, Southampton when we were 2-0 up with with not much to play, which is also something to bear in mind as we've just gone uh, down the tunnel 3-0 up against Everton at halftime. So I would like to say that those points are in the bag, but um, yeah, they cer- certainly learned our yeah. lesson. <laughs> anyway, um, if, they, if they were to be in the bag, we would be up there on 45 points level with West Ham. Two games in hand on uh, yourselves, Nick, Man United and the Hammers. But unfortunately, one more game played than the Gunas, two points behind them. So that's the big problem, I think, is um, when we last spoke, and certainly before Christmas, there was a big gap. 
Conte come in. I think somebody mentioned this on Sky during the uh, prelude today as well. Nobody would have seen Arteta's Arsenal overhauling Conte's Tottenham when Conte first came in. So definitely uh, disappointing to say the least. However, uh, seem to be winning this match tonight. Man United on Saturday, as we've discussed. Uh, a few other games against uh, teams lower in the league, shall we say. I don't want to call them small teams because <laughs> that always uh, bites you in the rear. Anyway, we can definitely still finish fourth. There's no doubt about that. But it has to be this Tottenham that turns up. It has to be the Tottenham that won at City. It has to be the Tottenham that has been ruthless in the first half against Everton tonight. And you just don't know at the t- at this moment. So maybe the fact that we're out of all the cups, while it is again infuriating, is a good thing for our for our fight in the league. How do you see it from the outside, you guys? I think on your day, Spurs have got the two best players in the league actually, and you can sign. And then we'll talk about it. That that stat around their their goal lean cups. That's it's right. Phenomenal. They are now the uh, the highest number of goals and assists for a partnership, is it, George? Yes, yeah. I think the interesting thing with that, if you look at who else has done that, they were all like serial winners. They were winning yeah. titles. It's like Drogba and Lampard. And, yeah. yeah. And, um, Henri and Pires. Yeah. So that is really, really impressive. And if Conte can get them back to their best, which it looks like certainly tonight, they're back on top, then... You'll outscore most teams most weeks. It begs the question of where would you be without them? Oh, yeah. Because there is a lot of average players behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, Kulosevsky seems to be a good addition, though. He does. I was thinking further back, you know, like Ben Davies, yeah, yeah. to that standard. And and, and that's Doherty. why I think you, you're becoming a bit like what we say about Leicester. It's big, terrific, impressive wins one week, and then it's unexplainable results the next. I think it's because you can't just rely on Kane and Son. You might score a lot of goals, but given your quite leaky defence recently, um, you can just be outscored, obviously. What do you make of Romero? I think Romero Romero is very solid and uh, we like his his fight and his uh, South American attitude, to put it mildly. A bit of a euphemism there. Um, But... um, He's in action against uh, Brazilian Richarlison tonight. But yeah, he, he was out over Christmas period and January, so um, that did hurt quite a lot. Um, you but never I think... really replicated that. That I think it was a defence that Poch actually inherited, the Alderweireld, uh, the Tongan duo, yeah. were for a period of time, I think, the best duo in the league as well. And I think we've got rid of them too early, both of them, really. Yeah. yeah. Certainly, Toby. That was a great shame. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, didn't want to pay the requisite wages. so And go. that's the thing, is that I think if Conte does steady the spare ship, because he, he, it really looked like he was about to walk away a couple of weeks back. Yeah. If he does steady the spare ship and then marches into Levy's office in the summer and demands to improve the squad, I think he's going to be disappointed. And <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> especially if you, then, if you then have to sell Kane, because I, I think Kane will most likely go this summer with or without Champions League football, I think. Mm. I think he was given the same deal that Ronaldo has had and what big players have had in the past, like Henri. Do, do one more year, give mm. us a chance to sort out a replacement. And um, as a United fan, I think it's beginning to look a lot like it will end up being United or City for Kane. Uh, yeah, I don't know how you imagine you're going to get him, but okay. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> that was for the next part. Keep dreaming. 
Yes, and of course, our next game is at Old Trafford. So, uh, big day for for us. Um, big pod, big pod next week. Big pod next week, indeed. I'm gonna empty chair you if we lose. If it's another, if it's another six one, <laughs> I'm gonna empty chair you. <laughs> we'll find someone to fill in. I'd never be on this pod if I took that approach. Right, <laughs> quite right. And what a segue to Leeds, George. <laughs> So, George, when we last spoke, George, you'd just mm. lost at home to Newcastle when Newcastle couldn't buy a win. Um, mm. And obviously all sorts of doom-mongering from you, but you had also just won at the Olympic Stadium, that great win against West Ham. You'd beaten Burnley. You went out in the cup, but of course that freed up some fixtures. So we told you to uh, put a brave face on it and said uh, there are far worse teams in the league than you. Um it does look like we're doing a favour uh, for you at the moment as we speak. 3-0 up on Everton. Thanks. Who are below you with three games in hand, this being one of them. But yeah, the table does not lie, as we as we all know. And you're um, two points off the drop zone now. Mm-hmm. Five points behind Newcastle now. A depressing swing there. Indeed. And of course, the headline news is that... Uh, Bielsa has has gone. I mean, uh, he was sacked, essentially. Is it fair to say he was sacked or did they part company? I don't know, but you no, can fill he us was, in. He was sacked, yeah. He was yeah. sacked. So, yeah, um, very, very sorry about what's mm. happened in the last few weeks. Um, a few mm. shellackings in there to Liverpool, Tottenham. <laughs> yeah. Uh, an admirable mini comeback against United in that glorious uh, mud at Elland Road. Mm. First game against United with fans for... 18 years, was it there? Yeah, yeah. Um, but the fact of the matter is you're now right in there with a new manager, Jesse Marsh, and um, mm. a couple of home games coming up against Villa and Norwich. Don't you live for these days, George? Massive, massive. Indeed, yeah. We had a similar... They're both in the space of four days as well, and both at home this week, so it's potentially pivotal week in a thoroughly miserable season in every single aspect. Um, on, on Bielsa, I think, you know... He had three years of constant improvement, took a team from 15th to the playoffs, then won the league by 10 points and then finished ninth last season. I know there's a theory about second season syndrome, but this is worse than that. I think it's every single aspect of the play, every stat, everything, points, goals, goals against, pressing stats, if you go as deep as that, everything's worse. And I think maybe there's a reason why he's never, he's never been this long at a club before because he is very stubborn. Um, he will stick to the way he plays and I think when you're playing at this level we play like that for a season second season people have figured it out and maybe the players I'm not I'm not using the term burnout because you know we finished last season like the form one of the form teams in the league but maybe the players are tired of the approach uh, of all the pressing he demands from them perhaps a mental tiredness mental tiredness there is a significant portion of the squad that are 30 or 30 plus maybe they just can't do it anymore at the level he requires so, yeah, from what I've heard and read from the reliable people I follow, he, this was actually happening before the Spurs game. Uh, they were already discussing it end of that week after the total embarrassment away at Liverpool that could have been even worse than the Man City game, which was 7-0. It was just non-existent. Um, you see, you know, you see cup teams from four tiers below that put up a better fight. Yeah, it wasn't supposed to end this way. You know, we just wanted to get to the summer. And I think he was, he was going to go in the summer. I think that was pretty clear, but it was... It was meant to be on his terms. You're talking about a manager who, I mean, it, maybe it's not hard when you consider Leeds' last sort of 20 years to stand out and be loved by the fans, but he's up there with, you know, the most adored managers the club's ever had. 
I think and that won't quite, change now. No, he'll be loved forever. Um, mm. they, they're going to make some sort of permanent feature Ellen Road to remember him. Not that he's died, but um, just to remember what he did to the club. He gave the club back to the fans, which is very cliche, but that is exactly what he did. Yeah. Um, he brought the fans back. He brought Premier League football back. Yeah. So, but he's gone. Um, it's it's all about the money, isn't it? We have to send the Premier League money wise and. Mm. Just... So obviously there's great sadness. We can hear that even in your voice now. Um, but mm. um, is there anger at Radrizani for doing this? Do people think there, he was there, wrong to do it? Yeah, there, there is some very, there's a very significant portion of the fan base that would have been happy to go down with Bielsa in charge. They love him wow. very much. Um, I'm not one of those people. I think, I actually thought he might go last summer because I just thought, you know, he took us to ninth in the Premier League and mm. what more could he do? You know, maybe it was time, you know, you don't get your, your Fergies in charge for you know, 18, 19 years. So maybe it was time then, but no, I wasn't one of those people. We, we have to stay up. I, I don't know what would happen if we went down. A significant number of our players would obviously leave. All the planning that's in place, it all requires more than two years in the Premier League. So, and there's a, there's a stat, and I, I'll have to look it up for the next pod, but you stay up that second season, the chances are you stay for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, your Brighton's, um, I can't think of any of those off the top of my head, but they're Brighton are a prime example. They survived, just survived those first two seasons. Or Aston Villa more recently, survived yeah. by the skin of their teeth illegally if you remember the, <laughs> the goal that should have been given against them um and look at them now thriving signing players like Coutinho and yeah so I think it had to it had to happen unfortunately um but it, I've never seen a, a managerial departure divide a fan base so much and a sacking to be greeted with so much like mourning and anger yeah towards the towards the hierarchy but so just before Mark, we go on to the new appointment uh, mm. a, a little bit more good news for you uh, I expressed earlier in the show, a bit of caution about uh, considering our three points against Everton to be in the bag. We've just gone 4-0 up Wonderful. Uh, against Frank Lampard's mm-hmm. Everton. Uh, that means they remain a point behind you in yeah. 17th. So a little bit of uh, positivity there, perhaps. Yeah, and with these two games this week, by the time they next play, they'll have four games in hand on us. So, you know, if we could get anything out of these next two games, and I, and yeah. I mean anything... Since our last pod, and since our, sorry, since our last win at West Ham, we've lost six and drawn one. Yeah. That draw was actually quite impressive because we were three one down away at Aston Villa. And the game, the game against Man United, you know, that could have been a complete different direction of the season. If we great most, fun for the neutral that game. But if we'd done what ninety nine percent of teams do when they get a game back to two two and go on and win it, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it could have really ignited the season and and. Yeah, um, there's no other team we'd rather beat in the whole league. So, but it wasn't to be, you know. Obviously, Fred comes on to win the game, which is, uh, <laughs> only, only only Leeds could do that. Um, but we are, you know, we've we've not been above fifteenth season. Um, mm. We're bottom of the form table. You know, we are exactly where we deserve to be. But Villa and Norwich at home in space of four days is is yeah. Yes, yeah, so and the new appointment is uh, American coach Jesse Marsh, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. ex uh, Red Bull Empire, just like. Um, Rangnick at your arch rivals. <laughs> yes. um, so, firstly, uh, what did you make of that when he mm-hmm. was when he was clearly the favourite to come in and then probably came in? And secondly, what did you think of the, that first performance at Leicester, where mm. uh, if anything, the defence seemed to have been shored up a bit? Yeah. So Marsh was actually linked with the job in January, quite widely linked with it uh, as being lined up in the summer. Um, and he's actually he's very honest. He's, he's come across very honest in his handful of interviews he's done so far and he actually admitted that you know he, he was being lined up in the summer so yeah it, it was obviously true so I'd already been looking into him he, he is very highly regarded obviously, I think you have to take you'll be able to 
comment on this, uh, Alex, but what he achieved was Augsburg with a bit of a pinch of salt. You know, they do win every pretty much every season, don't they, the league and the cup. But And his time at Leipzig was cut short very prematurely, which apparently a lot of it was down to COVID. Uh, himself and most of the squad got it. And yeah, his his Red Bull track record is, has struck a bit of fear amongst the Leeds fans that we're going to become the latest franchise. Um, and this is all part of a ploy. But hopefully that sounds like a Gilmer conspiracy, doesn't it? I'll it's been talked there. about, hasn't it? I do remember now that you said that. I do remember yeah. Leeds being talked about. Yeah, quite a few years ago. I can't yeah. see um, your current chairman selling, to be honest. Well, he, he keeps selling more of his stake to the team that runs a 49ers NFL yeah. team. Um, yeah. Who have no links to Red Bull whatsoever, thank God. Um, they wouldn't get away with half of the merchandising that they do over elsewhere. They wouldn't be able no. to call them Red Bull leads. So I can't see the no. But you know, it, it is all falling into place. That the, the number one transfer target in January was an American international who plays for Salzburg, uh, a guy called Aronson, who was actually very impressive against Bayern Munich in the first leg. And now we've got an American coach in charge. So it's all pointing one way, isn't it? But he's come across very well. He, he sold himself to the fans quite a lot in his, his first few press conferences. Like I say, he's very honest. He clearly knows a lot about the club and the, the squad he's inherited. So that's what everyone believes this has been lined up for months. And that, the speed with which he was appointed, of course, as well. Um, and in terms of his first game, much similar in terms of approach and and formation. Uh, yeah, he does, does play similar football to be very similar. He? So it's not press. a total. It's not a totally yeah. new start, but he'll be expected to sure. shore things up. Sure, yeah, he will. Um, I, no one was expecting massive changes uh, personnel wise because there isn't any changes really that you can make. Uh, we're still missing uh, Calvin Phillips and Patrick Bamford and our captain Lee Cooper. They're all three of them still out, um, but all training. Thank God, so they might be back just in time when we really need them. But yeah, first game. Yeah, he shored things up. And I know I joked about it before, but at least we conceded less goals. <laughs> Leicester actually, I mean, this is very Leeds. Leicester had the, the second worst XG of a winning team this season. Yeah. Um, it was like 0.3 and they still managed to beat us 1-0 on a... But well, that's encouraging already. It is. It is. Rafinha somehow contrived to miss from three yards. Kasper Schmeichel was man of the match. I mean, that tells you everything, doesn't it? Yeah, the, I saw a couple of his saves. Yeah, very yeah. good. So uh, just one of those. But positive signs. Um, it, I... I only watch the highlights for people who watch the whole game say, you know, we play like that in the, enough of the remaining 11 games, then we should be okay. I'm just still not, I'm not convinced anymore. There are three worst teams, maybe Watford. I mean, Watford put up a good fight against Arsenal. We might come on to that later. You know, Watford are five points worse off. I think than the last time they were relegated, so they're probably as good as down. And Norwich yeah, and I Norwich. Think, uh, Norwich and Watford are worse than you. But the Burnley, yeah, I think the Burnley, be, be hoping yeah. for a downturn in form at, at Burnley. Um, they do it every that, season, that, don't they? <laughs> Brentford win was a pain because I think Brentford were in a stinky run of form. They were, yeah. Mm. What a what think... a stroke of genius getting Ericsson in there. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, might just be enough for them. But I, I would say it's between Leeds, Brentford, and Burnley. Well, uh, I can tell you, George, that uh, Spurs are now five nil up on Lampard's <laughs> Everton within the hour. So if that makes you more hopeful. Um, how many if they get so rid of him bad. now? How Everton are certainly have... showing relegation form. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Don't score too many. They might get rid of him. No one wants that. <laughs> You're very good at this, aren't you, Spurs? Getting rid of managers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, quite, uh, we're always involved. Yeah. Um, um, that's so yeah, big their week. goal difference on minus eighteen. So that helps. Yeah, nothing nowhere near as bad as ours. Still, um, not, still nowhere close <laughs> to your minus thirty-two. Yeah. If it comes down to goal difference, we're we're in bad. We're in bad. Yeah, I, the number of goals you've shipped is shocking. It's like a computer glitch. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot to be said for when you do play those elite teams. You just damage limitation. You don't just stick to your game plan of attack, attack, attack. 
we did that against Liverpool and I think four of their goals in the last sort of 12 minutes because just left so many holes and everyone was knackered and you just can't do that against those teams. You have to accept nine times out of 10, you're going to lose those games, but you'd have to lose them 6-0. You know, yeah. Norwich put up a better fight against them a few days before and lost 3-1, I think, and went 1-0 up. Yeah, that's right. So I won't miss that about Bielsa, that's for sure. There's a lot I will miss, but maybe parking the bus now and again isn't such a bad thing. So yeah, big week. Um, so are you looking forward to some of these sort of rear guard action basement battles against the likes of Norwich? And, absolutely uh... not. <laughs> there was a, Worth asking. There was a similar point in the season two years ago when we were trying to get out of the championship. We had two, two games against clubs in a similar position to us and we scraped both 1-0. And it's very similar to this. We, we scraped two wins, even get one win and a draw. It would change the whole complexion of it. Um, but like I said, if you if you lose at home to Norwich, that is a bad barometer. Death now, isn't season. it? Yeah. So yeah, let's see what kind of mood I'm in this time next week. Yeah. So it's Thursday night. Uh, Leeds Villa at Ellen Road on Amazon Prime, and then uh, Sunday afternoon, two o'clock, Leeds Norwich, not on TV. And uh, top of the bill this weekend, Nick. It's Man United Spurs. Shall we have some predictions for that one? I've given you mine, didn't I say five all, six all? I'm, fe- I'm feeling quite bullish right, right this moment. I bet. Watching what's going on at, uh, against Everton right now. But um, I'll say a nice 3-2 uh, like at City. 3-2 to the Spurs. Yeah, George? I no, I think I think United might win that one, actually. Oh, dear. Because you'll, you'll swing from a 5-0 to a defeat. That's the summary of the season <laughs> it's the only thing you can predict about Spurs is they'll do the completely unpredictable that's right yeah, yeah that's right yeah I'll go I'm going to go five all five all yeah. <laughs> one to tune in for thanks yeah. very much gents uh, looking forward to the next one next Monday where we will uh, get back into the swing of things and talk about uh, the top leagues around Europe and some of the other matches no time for that today after a backlog of six weeks of course but it's been great to chat to you again and I'm looking forward to the next show. Great to be back. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye-bye.